Before I begin today, I'd like to give a disclaimer that I am not a licensed therapist, I am not a licensed psychologist, nor am I a licensed psychoanalyst. What I am is a lay person who's been through a whole lot of life and has had enough lived experiences to validate the opinions shared in this episode. Let's go. When I was in middle school, I had a serious revelation about friends. I remember telling someone who I considered my friend at the time, I was like, you need to go tell that girl that you're always getting into it with. You need to tell her that she is not your friend. She is your associate. Ah. So today I want to speak on that. Associates versus friends. What do you mean? So glad you asked. So when I consider someone to be an associate, that is someone that I know. It could be a coworker. It could be someone that I commune with in a fellowship, a small group, church, a meetup group, a likes or dislikes group, someone that I run into quite often at a grocery store and we've made a connection, had a chance to sit down and have a cup of coffee. We associate. But a friend? Wait a minute. Are you telling me that you don't differentiate between associates and friends? No, it couldn't be. It just couldn't be. I know I'm not the only one, and I'm sure that I'm not. A friend is someone who has stood the test of time. Now, I'm talking about from the sphere of adulthood. In school, high school, middle school, it's expected that young people are going to go through friends, quote unquote, friends. It's a learning experience, but it's my aim to educate my children on the difference. My daughter, one of my daughters has quite a gregarious personality. Wherever we go, if she clicks with someone that she doesn't know, just a a complete child stranger, she's saying that this person is her friend. So I decided from way when she was, you know, two and three years old to explain to her, well, you know, it's okay to be friends. Sure, you are friendly with them, but they're not your friend because you don't know them. But if you want to be friends with them, then maybe we could, I can exchange numbers with their mom. We can meet up for a play date or we'll just meet them back here, you know, whenever we come here to play and you will develop a friendship. I have taught her that from a very young age because I saw very um, strong signs in her that anyone that she had a connection with was going to be considered her friend. And as her mom, who has been there and done that, I want to teach my daughter. I want to set her up for success, not to be biased. It's never about being biased. It's about teaching the children life. I know in this culture, It is very common to think that for some reason, there's a K through 12 world. And then after 12th grade, when the young person is 18, they are to morph or teleport into the real world of doing things. 
And I say that I beg to differ. Why in America don't we begin to teach children real life principles from the time that they're able to understand? This has always fathomed my mind. When it comes to language, this, this culture, this American culture has learned to embrace the importance of infants learning multiple languages while their brains are highly capable of doing so. So if parents have the tools and the wherewithal, they do that. They hire nannies or they send their children to extracurricular programs to learn second and third languages along with the native language of English. But when it comes to these social skills and these tried and true understandings that we have as an adult have as adults, such as the difference between an associate and a friend, we don't think to talk our children through this until they're having a midlife crisis hashtag teenage years. And it's like, why haven't we set them up for this? Why haven't we taught them to be um, very careful who they bring close? Why haven't we taught them how to decipher between someone who wants to know you, to use you for what you have or who you know, as opposed to someone who accepts you with no judgment? No, we don't expect. No, I don't expect. No, I'm not implying that young people have the frontal lobe reasoning capabilities in order to think so scientifically about friendship. Of course not. But what I am saying is that in these tender years of childhood and adolescence, it's important for us to be honest with children. Be honest with them. So my daughter, today, we went to... um, an outing and once again she says and I want to go ask my friend if she wants to go camping so I'm like what friend oh so and so okay so the young lady who's in a class with you at one of your extracurriculars yeah we're gonna go camping and we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and I'm like did you come up with this or did she decide this oh I told her that I'm like, well, camping sounds nice. Um, It is the winter and it's freezing. So we're definitely not going camping now. But in the spring, that'll be a nice thing to do with her and her and her family and her mom. If they want to do that, that'll be great. But it's okay for you to have this desire and know that you don't really know the girl. So she's not your friend. But if you want to be friendly with her, if you want to get to know her, we can do that. And it's so interesting, you know, for those listeners that may think that I'm being harsh or I'm robbing my daughter of the child fantasy experience of friends. What I'm doing is actually honing in on my child's personality. She has a very addictive personality. And what she what I find that she does is begin to obsess about things. It's not even just a friendship thing. This could be um, a TV screen. This could be a preferred candy. This could be a preferred place to go visit. But she is very, very, and can be very obsessed like about things. So picking up on this while she's a young child and helping her to conceptualize the reality, I hope I hope will help her as she maturates 
into adolescence with all of those hormones. And I hope that what I'm doing is I'm helping her to gain reasoning skills so that when she is so excited about going on this trip and going on this, and then she could sit back for a second and rationalize the outcome, the pros and cons, instead of jumping in head first, only to sadly be mistaken. And we all know that. Whether it's a friendship, whether we spent our money on a toy that we saw on a Saturday uh, morning commercial that was all, you know, proliferated to be this grand toy and we get it and it's literally just a toy. You know, it doesn't bark, it doesn't talk, it doesn't walk, the eyes don't really blink. It was advertised to us that way. We've all learned from this. Whether it was a restaurant experience as an adult that you heard about and everyone had just had this like over, over, you know, um, emphasis on how good the food was and how good the experience was. So you decided to go and pay your $150 to $200 a plate for this five course meal where you left hungry and it really didn't satiate you. You know, it may have, the presentation may have been nice, but it would have also been nice to go to Chipotle and pay $12 and be full and have your taste buds bumping out your mouth because of the flavor differentiation in the food, you know? So I understand that there are times that she is going to have to learn on her own. But bringing it back to the foundation of this podcast, it is my job to set a foundation for her based on who she is. And the cool thing about it is, as frustrating as it can be, this child is so vocal that if she really doesn't agree with my perspective, she will let me know and she will not concede. Bingo, hats off to you, daughter. And I give her praise for standing firm to her convictions as a young child. Now, if she can be swayed on a topic, then that means that she's not quite sure. She's still learning. She's still open to deposits. But if she's convicted of something, then girl, you're going to have to go ahead and try it. You want to put, you know, um, that polka dot skirt on top of those leopard pants along with that rainbow shirt and you want to wear a unicorn headband and you want to put that all together? Even though I'm giving you a heads up and letting you know that that's a whole lot of patterns that you have on right there. And that it may just be a better idea to limit some of those, but you want to go ahead and put that on. And if she goes out amongst her peers and children can be cruel and she gets ridiculed for having a whole plethora of patterns on, that's her learning experience. And I get that. There was definitely a time being that she is my child where I wanted to shelter her from the ridicule. But now I know once I've set the tone based on who she is, because she's not confused. She's very, very intuitive. When she wants to do something, that's what she wants to do. And you know what I can appreciate about a personality like that? The clothing designer. The clothing designer, oft times than not, thought outside the box. Maybe they were misunderstood, but where did it lead them? The artistic designer, where did it lead them? So there is so much grace that we must give ourselves along the way. Who taught us this? You know, 
if you were lucky enough to come from a family system where you were praised and you were allowed to have freedom of thought and autonomy in what you said said and did, kudos to you. You know what I'm saying? Kudos to you. You may benefit from some of my podcasts where I talk about the positive a- aspects of uh, rigidity in life, you know? Because oftentimes we have polar opposites. Not many of us grew up on that fine line. Not many of us grew up on zero. Not many of us grew up on neutral. Not many. Many of us grew up on polar opposites of the pendulum. Way too lenient or way too rigid. But that fine line in between, there's some jewels to be learned there. Just like the the passive, the over-passive parenting style. That child will definitely probably have more autonomy and more agility with their decisions. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, they may not appreciate the structure and the discipline that it may take them to get where, they, where, where their goals are trying to lead them. As opposed to the rigid um, upbringing where that child may have been overly structured and understands how to rotely, even if it's not something that's committed to their heart, but out of rote routine, follow those disciplines in order to get where they want to go. But they're, they're, they're unsure how to enjoy life when they get there. They're unsure how to enjoy life on the way. And one thing that I've always said, and this is a podcast in and of itself, if you don't know how to think critically, you cannot survive life. If you don't know how to think critically, you cannot survive life. What do I mean by survive life? What is a survivor? So a survivor is someone who's gone through and overcome. I'm not talking about being an an accessory to life. I'm not talking about being coddled through life. I'm not talking about being a codependent through life. I'm talking about surviving life. And if you're not able to critically think, you're not going to be able to survive this life. Just because a person is walking around living doesn't mean that they are necessarily a survivor. The robotics of life is sickening to me. But someone who has survived life means that you've learned in my opinion, how to think beyond the status quo. And that's that neutral that I'm talking about. That's the neutral that I'm talking about. Appreciating structure while also appreciating liberties and freedoms and having a balance between the two. That's where I am aiming to stay That is what I'm aiming to live. I want to live on neutral for the rest of my life. No matter what I go through, I want to be able to appreciate the structure, but also appreciate the autonomy that it is in life and have a fine line of understanding. And I want to raise children who are able to see life in the same way and take control of this thing that we call life's experience. Thank you for listening.